So I do wonder, like as a content strategist, if you don't find the ways not to intelligently automate more content, just pump out more SEO content in the world, but how do you, like we've talked about before, how do you become more human as a yep. brand? And maybe it is more stuff like this where you have podcasts and live events, you know, like that you, people are going to crave human content and interaction, I think probably more than ever. Welcome to the Marketing AI Show, the podcast that helps your business grow smarter by making artificial intelligence approachable and actionable. You'll hear from top authors, entrepreneurs, researchers, and executives as they share case studies, strategies, and technologies that have the power to transform your business and your career. My name is Paul Reitzer. I'm the founder of Marketing AI Institute, and I'm your host. Welcome to episode 32 of the Marketing AI Show. I'm your host, Paul Reitzer, along with my co-host, Mike Caput, Chief Content Officer at Marketing AI Institute and co-author of our book, Marketing Artificial Intelligence. Today's episode is brought to us by the AI for Writers Summit, presented by Writer. This is a new event we actually just announced, gosh, a week ago, right? I think it was last yep. Monday. Um, so recording this on January 20, or January 31st. So end of January. And the premise of this event is there's so many unknowns right now in writing. The impact that these AI writing tools are going to have on writers, on editors, on content teams. We're hearing it from uh, people in the Marketing Institute community. We're feeling it ourselves as writers by trade. I'm, I came out of journalism school. Mike is a journalist by trade um, before we you know, started working in AI and marketing. And so for us, we almost felt this like obligation to create something, to bring everyone together and try and figure this out. So um, Mike's wife is a writer. Like it's just, it's everywhere. We, uh, I talk with the journalism school where I graduated from college. We're trying to figure this out for the next generation. And we thought that if we could do a free virtual event that we could reach the masses and try and kind of together solve where this is going and ask a lot of the hard questions. So uh, that's what we're going to do. So it's the, the event is March 30th. It is going to be from noon to four Eastern time on the 30th. Like I said, it is free. Um, there is a free pass courtesy of writer, our sponsor. Uh, you can do a, a private uh, registration for $99 if you don't want to share your contact info. Um, and there's also an on-demand option, but overall it's a free event. We've had over 800 people, I think last I looked already registered for this event in the first week. So we were, we were thinking a thousand to 1500 was realistic. And, and now I'm, I'm thinking it might be a little bigger than we originally planned, which is fantastic. So, uh, AI We will put the link in the notes. If you are interested in that, I highly encourage you to join us for that event. Um, I, I think we're going to one, a lot is going to happen between now and then. So I think there's going to be more to talk about March 30th than, uh, we even know. But it's going to be an incredible event. We have uh, Anne Hanley is going to do a closing keynote. Um, Wall Street bestselling, Wall Street Journal bestselling author of Everybody Writes and an amazing friend um, and marketer and speaker. Uh, May Habib from Writer will be there. Mike's going to be doing a talk on AI writing tools. I'll be doing a keynote on the state of AI and writing. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, again, uh, AIWriterSummit.com. Check that out. And then that leads us into today's episode which is all about AI writing. So I will let uh, Mike take it away with our three big topics for the week. 
Thanks, Paul. Uh, like you said, we are talking everything and anything related to AI's impact on writing. We're going to still follow our kind of three-topic format, but we're going to tackle in each topic a one big area of how AI is going to change writing as we know it. And we're going to get your thoughts and have a discussion around the very themes that we'll be diving deeper into during the Writer Summit as well. So first up here, I want to get your thoughts and talk a little bit about the future of writing as a practice, as a career, as an industry. So we have all these AI writing tools that are rapidly transforming how we do storytelling. And in the process, they're disrupting writing as we know it. Everyone today at every different size company now has access to powerful and affordable AI tools that are redefining writing and forcing companies to reimagine their content teams and their strategies in order to remain competitive. You know, even in our own experiments, we've seen that we can already 10x our content output, things like ads, articles, posts, emails, and much more with today's AI. And it's all growing more powerful by the day. Now, like you alluded to talking about the Writer Summit, this has creative, created massive uncertainty for writers, brands, agencies, and media companies. And it's made it essential that writers, editors, and content leaders take action to start understanding and applying AI in writing. So today's mega episode of the podcast is really going to kick this off by talking about kind of the bird's eye view of the changes that we're seeing coming to writing and the work of writers thanks to AI. So Paul, give me to start things off here. Tell me, how do you see AI impacting the future of writing and the future of writers? Yeah, I, the way I look at this is there's just so much uncertainty and I don't necessarily have the answers. I think that there's a lot of organizations, whether they're brands or media companies or agencies that are looking at the power of these AI writing tools and questioning, do we need as many writers as we previously had? And I think that's a, it's a logical question. Like I, I, I think that there's a possibility that maybe you don't, um, but then when you start to understand the limitations of these things and the need for fact checking and the need for human layers of, you know, writing over the AI writing, you start to realize that there's way more complexity than just, oh, okay, I can write now we can get rid of our, you know, some of our writers, the evolution of what an editor is and does, uh, evolves the, um, you know, I think we saw, we might talk a little bit more about like Fiverr, the freelance platform just this week or last week announced the AI um, services, one of which was fact-checking, was like one of the services they offer because they know that the AI outputs things that it doesn't know facts. It doesn't know dates and places and times and people and all these things. It can just make stuff up. So I think if I had to pick a word to describe the future of writing and the writing profession, it's uncertain. Like we just don't know. And we can't really very accurately project because we also don't know what the next version of these writing tools is going to be. You know, we, this mythical GPT-4 that we keep talking about and hearing about, and, you know, it probably will come at some point this year, maybe sooner than later, but we don't really know what it's going to be and what it's going to be capable of. And so I just, I feel like it's a very uncertain time. And 
that's why I think, you know, the summit that we were bringing together, it's like, well, we, we have to talk about this. We have to get different perspectives. We have to understand the legal implications. We have to understand the impact on workforce. We have to understand the impact on down to journalism schools and what are they even teaching there and how do you prepare students? So yeah, uncertainty is my biggest thing right now about where it's going um, and what kind of we're facing today. And what we're also seeing is that that kind of uncertainty without an industry conversation can really create some fear. We had a member of the Marketing AI Institute community say something to the effect of to us recently, when I mention AI to any writer on my team, they literally shudder. I think there's a lot of fear and angst around what this means for writing. So if I'm a writer or someone adjacent to writing who's hearing all of this news about ChatGPT, about AI, I'm probably feeling not only uncertain, but a little afraid. What would you say to writers who are afraid of this stuff and tempted to kind of, you know, either freak out or stick their head in the sand and say, nah, this can't be happening. It's not going anywhere. Like you, you have to face it head on. Uh, the advice we've given previously is don't just test our writing tool, test five of them. Like the, the only people that are going to figure this out are, are probably the writers and the editors who can figure out how these tools actually fit into their workflows and how it affects what they do and how they can maybe improve upon what they do. So I would just encourage people as scary as it may seem or abstract or even sci-fi in some ways. I, I get that if you're a writer, that just doesn't seem possible that an AI can do what you do. I understand that feeling that writing is uniquely human and creativity is uniquely human. Um, but if you haven't tried them, you can't really pass judgment or understand it. So I would just say, uh, as hard as it may be, be proactive and go try these tools. They're affordable. If, if you can't get approval to, you know, budget within your company, just spend the hundred bucks yourself and go try a couple of them. Because once you do, I think you can start drawing your own conclusions about the impact it's going to have and maybe the opportunities it presents to you. And I would try and go at it from a positive perspective. I think we have to accept that machines are here and they, the AI can write. Um, you can question how good it is or what formats it might be weak at, but it, it is doable um, today and it's accessible to everyone. And I think you should go into it saying, okay, what is the opportunity here? Like, I, I just have to accept that they will be creators. We will side by side be creating content. Um, this is something Ann Hanley and I have talked about on, you know, recent webinar we did together. And I know she'll talk about it in her keynote. Uh, different writers will use these tools differently. So like as a, as a writer, I mean, I write, I don't know, a few thousand words of content a week to publish to the blog post or LinkedIn or wherever and written books. And I honestly don't use them that much. So I, I consider myself a fairly good writer. Um, I don't use them in drafting my LinkedIn posts. I don't use them in drafting my blog posts. I, I, I use them mainly for ideation and experimentation just to see what's possible. If I'm creating an outline for something. I'll still create my outline and then I'll go into the tool and say, create me an outline for this, an ebook on this topic and I'll see what it comes up with. And maybe it has some other ideas I didn't have. So I mainly use the AI writing tools for ideation, summarization, you know, transcription, things that I just don't have the time to do or desire to do. But the actual process of writing I enjoy and I find is a very strategic thing. 
And I like to go through that process. So I don't need or want them to take that from me. Um, but there's a lot of people who aren't good writers, you know, that, that's just not what they're trained to do. And for them, it may become a true assistant, like everything they create, emails, blog posts, articles, proposals, um, scripts, outlines, everything. They may start with a first draft in AI and that's fine. Like it's for everyone to figure out how they want to use the tools. And I think that's what's maybe being missed in all of this is that we still have choices. Like the tools are there to be assistive to us and however we choose to use them and different people will choose to use them in different ways. And that's okay. That's a really good point. And I think it's worth reiterating to the audience that if you are a writer, there's no substitute for trying this out on your own, because like we've talked about in a couple other podcasts with how popular things like chat GPT are, there's a lot of what I would call bad takes out there from mm -hmm. people that have just suddenly discovered ChatGPT, don't really understand the wider AI opportunity and are kind of really just regurgitating the same takes, the same prompts, the same use cases for the tool. And like, you know, there's nothing terrible about that, but you really can't read a couple of expert takes and get the full picture. Everyone's work is different. The use cases for tools like ChatGPT are different and deeper and more expansive than you might expect from just reading kind of the latest think piece on the tool. Yeah, you have to experience it yourself. It's like anything else. And I think that's the beauty of where we are today is you can do that right now. Like, you know, when you're done listening to this podcast, just go get an account on Jasper or Writer or HyperWriter wherever, or get an open AI playground account or a cohere playground account, pick your pick, do a few of them. Um, I think we, we did an episode on that where I actually went through and tested like five different AI writing platforms. And if you haven't mm -hmm. listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. That's exactly how we approached it. Like, well, let's figure this out. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure as an institute, we publish what might 150 plus articles a year on the yep. blog. Like we write a lot and we do a podcast a week two, one to two webinars a month. Like we create a ton of content and we didn't have a, like a plan in place of how exactly we were going to infuse AI at scale. It was me experimenting. It was Mike experimenting. It was Kathy experimenting with Descript and some other tools. And we were like individually figuring this out. And I stopped and was like, well, wait a second. We have like six different tools we can be using right now. Which one should we use? Which should be integrated into our daily workflow versus continue to experiment and so we started this project copy scale 2.0 to try and figure this out like how are we going to infuse these tools and that's what i would just advise companies to do is like figure this out for yourself don't listen to us like use what we're saying as base knowledge but you have to go experiment and figure out how it's going to evolve in your own company it's the only way to do it <laughs> don't listen to any of the talking heads in terms of like oh okay that's the blueprint that i have to follow um it's, it's just take all the knowledge in and figure out what matters to you. So before we get into our next writing focus topic here, I want to end this discussion with one last question about how we see AI impacting the future of media companies. Now, two quick stories in the last couple of weeks jump out here. The first is a cautionary tale from a popular website called CNET. 
And CNET is a technology website. And they found out that the parent company that owns it, which has a very serious focus on ranking articles in search, had um, used AI to publish content without everyone at the company knowing it was being published. It created a pretty big furor over um, who knew what and which writers knew which work was human-generated, AI-generated, what have you. And eventually, CNET said, okay, we're going to stop using AI for this, at least temporarily. Now, that was kind of a PR nightmare for them. On the other hand, BuzzFeed just announced that they are leaning quite heavily into AI and using it at least to start to create some of their very popular quizzes. And their stock went crazy. It basically was up like 300% based on the news. So whether that holds steady or not, the market started to reward them for adopting artificial intelligence. My question is, how do you see this impacting business models and media companies moving forward? The CNET thing is a poor example of what not to do. Like it just, they, they tried to hide it. Um, when there's a lack of transparency and authenticity and you do something for a quick dollar, which is exactly what they were doing was just pumping crap content into the internet to put affiliate links into it and drive traffic, get what you deserve. Like it's just a shortcut way to do content marketing. And it's as old as any like content farms of the early teens, um, you know, so I, I just have no interest in what they were doing. And I think I'm sure it's going to be repeated and I'm sure it'll end in the same result eventually for whoever does that. So hopefully you don't follow that path. Like that's just a bad idea. Buzzfeed is interesting. Um, when I saw it, I was like, okay, like, you know, fine, cool. Um, I saw the stock market, the stock price jump and wish I would have been able to short it. Like, I, <laughs> like it's just, there's no way to sustain that. and. I even saw an employee yesterday, like there was an interview where she was like, yeah, we're not using it the way that people think we are. Like <laughs> the way Wall Street believes we're using AI is not how it's actually going to be used. And uh, if, if they knew that, like it probably wouldn't, the stock probably wouldn't have jumped. So I, that was a anomaly in my opinion. Um, if it was that easy, like a bunch of companies would just come out like, oh yeah, we're using AI too. And <laughs> like stocks would get pumped and. Uh, I think it's fine that BuzzFeed's doing what they're doing. It sounds like it's probably actually a more creative use of it than was maybe let on, um, which is cool. But I mean, BuzzFeed certainly does their share of creating crap content that gets a lot of clicks in traffic too. I, I don't know. So I'll be fascinated to see. I think there's going to be a lot of really innovative uses though that are going to be worthy of studying. I've always admired BuzzFeed's model. I mean, BuzzFeed's been doing some insane stuff with AI for years, like yeah. predictive modeling around what to publish and when. So whether you like BuzzFeed's content or not, the reality is they were a very early mover in the application of AI to their content strategy and production and promotion. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember like there was a video of one of their, I think it was their head of AI or head of content strategy or something that we actually tried to get as a speaker at Macon the one year because I watched his YouTube videos. Like, this is insane. Like this is brilliant stuff. So I would pay attention to what BuzzFeed's doing because they have a history of doing some really cool things. But I think 
there's uh, just, I mean, media companies, which you could argue most brands are kind of view themselves as media companies in a way, publishing mm -hmm. content, building an audience. You have to figure out how to infuse it into your strategy. Like you can't be a media company moving forward without AI at the center of everything you're doing. So I think that's the real lesson here is just like, you can do it the right way or the wrong way, but it has to be at the center of everything. Absolutely. So I think that was a really good kind of high level view of what we're looking at and talking about when it comes to AI and writing. So I want to actually switch gears and maybe bring it down to earth a little bit by talking about some AI writing tools, specifically their capabilities, limitations, and some concerns around them. So I think we've kind of alluded to some of the main ways in which writing tools can be used, but could you just give us a really quick survey of just what are they capable of doing today? If I'm just hearing about this with like the chat GPT news and all that, like, can AI write for me? Can it edit for me? What are we talking about exactly here? Yeah, the chat GPT thing, you know, the, what caught everybody by surprise was its ability to do a lot of general purpose writing. Like mm -hmm. any task you gave it, write me a blog post, write me an article, write me a press release, write me an email, write me a summary of this, and that it could just do it was, I think, what really caught people by surprise was how well it adapted without having to pick a model or a template like you do in some of these ad writing tools where you're, you know, selecting, I want an ad or I want an article, and then you're putting a bunch of inputs in. In this case, you're just saying, I would like an article on this, and I want it to be this length and this tone and this style, and it just does it. So that's kind of where we are is like you're now whether you're working directly with the language model company so OpenAI makes the language model same with cohere they like they build their own language models and then third-party vendors like jasper writer hyperwrite wordtune whoever they can patch into the apis from those companies and then build user interfaces and solutions on top of it now some of these companies are also developing their own language models, or at least using their own proprietary data to tune and train these models further than what you can get by going direct to OpenAI. AI. Um, but generally, whether you're going to OpenAI through ChatGPT or going to one of these writing tools, you have the ability to generate language in any form you would today. So whether again, it's emails, proposals, articles, um, video scripts, whatever it is, they're getting really good at just developing drafts. The, I think the misconception at the moment is that um, they're like publish ready drafts. Mm. I, I wouldn't think about it that way. I would think, um, you know, at the most extent you're, you're creating a really solid first draft of whatever it is you're creating, but assume you're going to need the human in the loop and you're going to need an editor and you're probably going to still want a writer. Um, so out of the box, they're able to do that. When you start getting into stuff, like what writer is doing, which is just mm. writer.com, uh, if, if you haven't been there like they'll actually train the models on your brand guidelines. Like they're specifically built for teams. And so it can actually be trained on your own data and your guidelines and tone and style so that when it's outputting something, it's actually fitting within your desired outcome or output based on your guidelines. And so that's, that's possible today too. So I think there's different levels depending on what you're using it for. But that's generally what you're able to do is it, it really can write. And you and I told this story back in like 2015. We asked this question internally. We were a content agency at the time. Like we were both working for my agency at the time. And it was like, can AI write? Like we were doing press releases and articles and blog posts and ebooks and white papers and all this stuff for clients. 
And I'd come to believe that AI was capable of doing it. Well, the answer at that time was no, it actually couldn't. We were mm. sort of like misguided by some of the vendors in the market at the time, but that's not the case now. Like the answer is yes, it can write. Yeah. And without getting too deep in the technical weeds, it's really important for writers or people in this space who are in the audience listening. If you tried out these tools several years ago and were unimpressed, you need to take another look because Things several really, months ago. <laughs> for sure, several <laughs> in months some ago. Cases. Because since about 2017, with things like the development of transformers, which have made some large these large language models really robust and possible, uh, the last several years have just been essentially a golden age of this technology really getting very, very, very good. And it's just the beginning. Yeah, for sure. So they can do these large language models and tools built on them can do some pretty stunning things today. But what limitations should we be expecting as of today when we're using them? The main ones that jump out to me and you can add in if you can think of other is uh, lack of citation. So you don't know where the data is coming from because it's not actually, as we've talked about before, copying and pasting anything. It's not just grabbing a line from Wikipedia or a corporate site and then regurgitating it. It's writing original content. It's predicting the next token or word in a sequence and it's generating it based on its training data. So it doesn't really have citations per se uh, in that way, but that's a major deficit and it's a major thing that, that companies are working on. Like Deep, Google DeepMind you know, has talked publicly about Sparrow, which is their chat GPT style um, agent. And that's supposed to have some kind of citations within it. I, I've seen lately that the expectation with Chad GPT is it'll have some sort of citations in it. I don't know exactly how that'll work. Um, I see people talking authoritatively about this and I was like, how do you know that? I don't, I don't, I don't understand how it's not public knowledge yet, how they would exactly do it. But I think the way it would work is almost like the, well, there's two ways I could see it. So one would be it, the the AI tries to sort of predict what sources influenced its output. So mm -hmm. it, it writes something basically, and then it tries to like, look at where it learned data from. And it's like, okay, these three links probably are the closest to site where, where it learned this information from. The other thing I assume is going to happen is actually attaching a knowledge base or search function to the outputs. Mm -hmm. So as it's outputting something and writing this original content, it's simultaneously looking up to confirm that it's correct. So like it's looking up the facts that it's spitting out. So it doesn't cite its sources and it doesn't know facts. Those are like the two biggest things. Now there's bias and there's all kinds of other concerns in it. But as a writer, if you're going to mm -hmm. go in today and say, okay, I'm going to write a blog post about this topic today. Um, let's say you're a bank and you're about like 10 tips for people who are opening a retirement account, like Roth versus simple IRA or something like that. And it could write something like, that's really good. Now it may have completely made stuff up. Like the facts in it could be completely wrong. Um, and and it, it doesn't know that. I'll, a really practical example. I showed this on a webinar last week. I took our AI for Writers Summit page, event page. I gave it to OpenAI's Playground, which is using GPT 3.5 to write. And I said, write me a press release about this event and I put the URL link in there and it wrote like a 300 word press release that looked great, except that the city was San Francisco. Mm. It is a virtual event. It's not happening in San Francisco. 
It made up the dates the event was happening, <laughs> made up who was speaking at the event and a few other facts. I was like, I have no idea where I would even come up with this stuff. That's not even on our site anywhere. So it completely looked like a legit press release, but it was completely wrong. And I think that's, those are the limitations is like, it's not, it doesn't know facts. It doesn't necessarily know where it's source data came from. And so the more, um, like regulated your industry or the more important it is to be factual, you have to know that it's not good at those things right now to use them properly. Yeah. And essentially the limitations here just naturally bring up the concerns, right? Using the technology, because if you are getting non-factual outputs that sound really good, you need to know that you need to check the machine's work before you publish anything. Right. So you still need to be, and that, this is where, like, we go back to the question of what happens to writers and editors. I don't know, because you become the domain expert or you're like knowledgeable about the case. Like if you go back to our agency as an example, we created a lot of content for a lot of complicated industries, robotics, engineering, um, chemicals, like stuff that we knew nothing about. And to be able to vet that work and turn it over to the client for review, you had to go learn the topic. Mm -hmm. So you do all kinds of research to understand the topic so that like, even for me, like, let's say, I handed off a white paper on some chemical engineering process to an associate at the agency. And that associate wrote a piece back and I'm like, sounds really good. If I knew nothing about chemical engineering, I could completely miss things in that article that were wrong. Yeah. Then we turned over to the client and the client, where did you get this information? This is like, you don't even understand how our business works. So part of being a writer is understanding your topic. You do research, you do interviews, like you learn the topic to write about it. And so even if you rely on an AI writing tool to write the draft, you still have to have the knowledge to determine if that draft is actually any good or not. It can look good and it can sound good, but it might be completely wrong. So I don't, I don't know actually what happens in that case because we become experts on the topic by researching and writing about the topic. Mm. If the AI just does the writing, how do we ever know if it's right? So I, I don't, and I don't know the answer to that. I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. This is just one more, one of the many reasons <laughs> that a writer summit is needed, right? I Seriously. Mean, it's, it's, there's so many different perspectives. No one, including us, has anything resembling total objective truth or answers here. We, you know, everyone is figuring this out on their own, some poorly, some well. Yeah. And we're learning from our community in the process. That's why I love like so much of, like if you follow me on LinkedIn, like, you know, with a lot of our community has really started engaging there and you'll see sometimes I'll put things out that aren't, aren't like half-baked, like I didn't think about it at all, but it's things that maybe historically I would have sat on for a few months before I put something out that I was like perfect. But now I'll just put stuff, I'm like, I don't actually know for sure, but here's what I think we should be thinking about. Mm. And then I'll get like immediate feedback from the community of like, yeah, here's what I think, or here's this. And it's like, okay, that's perfect. Like, so a lot of what we're trying to do at the Institute with this podcast is to stimulate discussion, to like put things out there when we aren't confident in where it's going to go. We'll say that because like, I think the more people are just talking about these topics and challenging each other, the, the faster we're going to figure this stuff out. Yeah, that's so, that's so, so true. I mean, it really is. We're, we're at the phase where we're figuring out still the right questions to ask yeah. in a lot of <laughs> ways, I think. <laughs> yeah. So 
I wanted to end our discussion today on this third topic related to how is AI going to change writing careers? So obviously, this technology is not going to have a small impact on our jobs as writers. Regardless, we're not saying, you know, writers are all getting replaced by AI, but no doubt the job is going to evolve and change and grow with the tools that are now coming out. So do you have any thoughts about initially how writing careers and jobs could change as a result of AI? I just don't see writing career paths moving forward where AI isn't infused. So again, I, you know, if I, if I'm a seasoned writer working for an enterprise, like on the content team, or I'm a journalist, or I'm uh, an editor, or I'm leading a content team, like Regardless of what your role is, your use of the tools will vary. Your dependence on the tools will vary, but they're going to be there. Like they're going to be a part of it and they're going to get increasingly intelligent. Um, so the example to kind of take it to an extreme is, um, and I think we've talked about this example before, you know, I have on the Institute site, maybe 200 articles that I've written. You've probably got 600 articles you've written. So in a perfect world, rather than us using an out-of-the-box chat GPT or writing tool, we should have that foundation and then we should fine-tune it day one on our history of content mm. so that it learns our style, it learns the way we prefer to phrase things, it learns, you know, the guidelines with which we write within. Um, and then when we use it for the first time and it generates an output for us, a draft, it's doing it in our voice and style. Like mm -hmm. it's not some general thing. And so that to me is very doable now. And I think it's going to become a standard feature of AI writing tools that you can like learn on this data set and you can just tune it based on that. Right now you'd need some help to do that. But I think we're going to have not just AI writing assistants, but personal AI writing assistants mm. that learns the voice of the individual. And so the drafts are going to get infinitely better because they're going to be tailored to you and your brand. And so assuming that that is the case, I don't know how it doesn't transform careers completely. Like it's just going to have to become an integral part of everything you do as a writer. How do you see businesses changing their content strategies and needs? I mean, obviously the BuzzFeeds and the CNETs of the world are pretty extreme examples and kind of in their own little corner of the media world. But, you know, if I'm a brand that's creating content on the regular, what do I need to be thinking about with these tools? I think this is going to be a little slower to move because the there's so much education that's needed about what they're capable of doing and how this is going to work mm. that you can actually infuse it into your strategy. Um you know, I, th I think about how we're doing it at the Institute as an example, like we have market views is the, the platform we've historically used for content intelligence and strategy. Um, we continue to use that, but I also look at what's now possible with these, um, tools and just like, you know, we've talked about before our podcast process. So we take this podcast transcript, we create a transcript using AI, then we break that down. Then we use AI to do summaries of the transcript. Then we turn those summaries into blog posts that Mike, you know, drafts and, but in with AI as an assistant. Um, so we have AI like touching like five different use cases just on the podcast alone. 
And so when you think about our content strategy of previously having to write three original blog posts every week Mm. versus doing a podcast for 45 minutes and turning that into six or 10 pieces of content, multimedia on YouTube and podcast networks. And like, that's a completely different content strategy. So because we understand what AI is capable of us helping us create, we look at our content strategy through an entirely different lens. And so until the people building the strategies at these companies and and agencies understand what AI is capable of, summarization, transcription, text-to-speech, speech-to-text, drafting of original content, outlines, like once you know all the applications, then you can sit down and start thinking about, well, what does our content strategy look like? But right now, I, I just don't, I don't know that there's many people capable of actually doing that. Hmm. Yeah, I think one thing I've been thinking about related to this as well is I think a lot of companies are going to have to start getting much more comfortable with having strong perspectives and points of view on their industry, their markets, their businesses, because in a world where, you know, somewhat in the near future, you can write relatively generic expert content, you're going to have to differentiate in some way. And that's going to be unique ideas, unique thinking. Um, And, you know, we're, like you said, quite a ways off from that, but I could very well see it becoming much more the norm to say, here is our kind of, for lack of a better word, manifesto or POV on, on the market. It's a really interesting take because I actually was having this conversation a couple of times this morning. People were asking me related questions. And at the time I said that I, I think there's going to be re- a revolt against AI generated content in the not too distant future. Like, I think it's going to be so easy to create language and videos and images with AI and almost like how I've, I've said in the past, I feel about Twitter at the moment. Like, I feel like Twitter is just one big AI generated thread from like the same 10 people, <laughs> at least my homepage is all this stuff. And it's like, I don't even want to see it. Like, I just, I have zero interest. I don't even care if it's valuable content. I don't want to see it if I feel like it's another chat GPT generated top 10 list. So I'm already feeling this like, no, I want to, I want pure, I want to read Ann Hanley's newsletter. Like I want, mm, I want to yeah. read pure writing from a great writer that like, I feel something when I read it. Now I'm not saying I can't simulate that feeling. But I think there's going to be a desire in the very near future to know something was human created, that it's going to, it's almost like there's going to be a premium on content and ideas that you know are theirs. Mm. And so it almost does make the argument to your point, like, does podcasting actually take on a greater influence in content strategy? Because it is like, you're listening to us talk. This is us. Like, hey, yeah. I'm not writing any of this. It's not prompting me what to say. Like. It's actually how we feel and think about the topic. And that becomes very valuable from a brand perspective. I think that you can, you can have those strong points of view and you can make human connections with people because they feel like they're actually hearing how you think. Like, um, one of my favorite things in learning AI has been the access we have because of the way society works today to people like Jan LeCun and Lex Friedman and even Elon Musk and Noam Brown and like all these Demesis Sabas and Jeff Dean and like all these people who we read about in the books who like we learned AI through Hmm. and I can, I can see on LinkedIn or Twitter, their thoughts in real time, Sam Altman, like Greg Brockman, they're, they're there sharing their insights and that's them. Like 
And I, that to me is so valuable to just mm. be able to have access to people and hear what they're thinking and feeling and how they see the future. So I do wonder, like as a content strategist, if you don't find the ways not to intelligently automate more content, just pump out more SEO content in the world, but how do you, like we've talked about before, how do you become more human as a yep. brand? And maybe it is more stuff like this where you have podcasts and live events, you know, like that you, people are going to crave human content and interaction, I think probably more than ever. That's a really good point. And that definitely kind of preemptively answered my question about kind of what, what stuff will be the purview of humans in this age of AI. So I want to actually end our chat today on a different question. We've talked about the need for writers to get started experimenting with these tools. So like that's table stakes. Mm -hmm. What else do writers need to be doing starting today to evolve their skills, their processes, their workflows, their careers? To me, it's very helpful to have a little bit deeper knowledge of how this stuff actually works. You know, what a language model is, how it makes its predictions about the next words in a sequence. Like the more you understand the fundamentals of AI beyond just, I can put a prompt in and it gives me an output, the deeper comprehension you'll have about where this is all going. And the quicker, when new innovations arise, like GPT-4 or whatever comes next, Lambda from Google or mm. Bloom or whatever it is, whatever the next major innovation is, you'll understand that innovation way better if you understand the foundation of how this stuff is built and how it works and what it's intended for. And so hopefully this podcast helps people along that journey. You know, we do try and go beyond the surface of fancy tools and magic little AI capabilities <laughs> to try and give some depth to what's going on in the space and how the things work. But I think that that's very valuable for people to take an interest in it, to be curious about AI, because it's going to have such an impact on your life and your career that I think taking that interest is, will be very valuable to people down the road. Absolutely. Um, and you know, just as another quick reminder, honestly, I know we're biased, but our AI, AI writers summit.com, the, the AI for writer summit is really, uh, it goes beyond the headlines. We're going to dive deep into exactly how these topics affect writers and content creators like the ones listening. So if you can make the time, you know, you got nothing to lose. It's a free ticket. Highly recommend signing up for that. Yeah, and the, just a kind of closing thought, when I posted something, I think it was last week on LinkedIn, I had said that, you know, I've long believed that writing is the most important skill set of any, in every industry, in every business, in every function, because it's everywhere, whether you're in sales or service or marketing or executive leadership, you, you have to influence people with words. And so the ability to understand how these tools can help you, uh, influence and affect change and, um, you know, drive impact and drive performance in your company. I just really think it's critical that people take the time to understand how they can work these tools into their own processes and own areas of the business. I know we have a lot of people listening to the podcast who probably aren't marketers. No. Maybe not even, don't even think of themselves as writers. But when you step back and think about how much you need to affect people with your words through, again, just simple emails, 
um, social media posts, things like that. We, we all write all the time. And so, yeah, I think it's just a critical topic. I'm glad we, you know, dedicated an episode just to this topic. Like there's so much going on. It's hard to just focus on a single thing for a whole episode today, but you know, I think it's such a wide reaching topic. It's an important thing to cover. So we appreciate everybody indulging us on this topic and hopefully it's been really valuable for you. Awesome, Paul. Well, as always, thank you for your time and your thoughts. I think everyone gets a lot of value out of it. And until next week, um, we will be back with uh, three more hot topics in AI. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for listening to the Marketing AI Show. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you're ready to continue your learning, head over to marketingaiinstitute.com. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, check out our free monthly webinars, and explore dozens of online courses and professional certifications. Until next time, stay curious and explore AI.